You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Joe Hopkins. I am joined by the news-breaking, scoop-delivering Indianapolis Colts insider, Mike Chappell. Mike, busy day today, huh? Yeah, I got home from Nashville around 1 o'clock in the morning and get a short night's sleep and then wake up to information about this quarterback change. And, yeah, it, it was – you know, it, it's it's news is always interesting with an NFL team. When it involves your quarterback, it's really interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, helping our website numbers as we speak. Let's go ahead and dive right into it. The Colts are benching Matt Ryan and turning to Sam Ellinger, the former uh, Texas star. And they say they plan to do so for the rest of the season. Matt Ryan had a grade two sprain in his throwing shoulder, but Frank Wright said the change would have happened anyway. Matt Ryan really a very tough season with the Indianapolis Colts. He leads the NFL in uh, interceptions with nine, leads the NFL with 11 fumbles. He's lost three of those, so that's 12 turnovers, which also leads the NFL. Opponents have scored 56 points off those turnovers. He's been sacked 24 times, tied for the most. And his offense is averaging just 16 points per game, that 29th in the NFL. They've scored 20 points or fewer six times, six of the seven games this year. And, oh, the offense has scored zero points on their opening drives. Uh, all that information found on Matt Ryan or on uh, Mike Chappell's wonderful article. Go check it out on fox59.com, cbs4.com. They'll be turning to Ellinger, who... Leading into the game last week, the Tennessee game, he was moved ahead of Nick Foles on the depth chart. Uh, he's a 2021 six-round pick out of Texas, extremely productive at Texas, and praised for his leadership. Uh, you know, everyone says his intangibles are off the charts, but he's never thrown a pass in the NFL, at least not during the regular season. He played great this past preseason, completed nearly 83% of his passes, 289 yards, four touchdowns. I don't believe he had a turnover. Four, 147.8 passer rating. That's nearly perfect. And also, he had six runs for 71 yards and a touchdown. Um, big shocking news hitting the Indianapolis Colts. This is something that some people have been calling for for a while. Let's see what we have in the young guy. Mike, I, I want to hear your thoughts and your reaction to the move. They didn't make this because they wanted to. They made this because they had to. You know, you don't – you, you resist change in the NFL. You certainly resist change at the quarterback position. And you're right. You, you just go on social media and, and listen to all their – read all the comments about it's time for Sam. You know, let's see what Sam's got. <laughs> I don't necessarily want to see what a guy's got who hasn't played. It, it, pe people really like – the guy who they don't know much about. I'm not talking Texas. You know, he's, his, his exploits down there are well documented. But you, you, a, a team that's three, three and one, which record-wise, it's 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 right there. In a lot of regards, they're not that far out of the wild card spot. You know, the division is going to be pretty tough now to get because of what were they one, three and one in the division, and and they've lost twice to Tennessee, but. You could argue any other year, 
that you're right there in the wild card hunt, but you just you can't look past the play at quarterback. And this was, to me, it, it, it is a sign of desperation because they knew they couldn't stick with what they've got. But you're going from what you've got and what you know, including Foles. Keep in mind that if Ryan's not healthy enough to play, which he probably wouldn't have been this week, Frank said he's not going to practice. And and so so he probably wouldn't have played anyway this week. But normally... That's what you do. That that's why Nick Foles is here, to be that stopgap. But they 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 bounced you know Ellinger above him last week, and they there is they've always been high on Ellinger, uh, the the owner, just GM, the coach, all of that. But if I'm a head coach with this team, and you know the season's not going well, and you know you sort of were on the hot seat when it began. The last thing I'd want to do is to put the rest of my season in the hands of a quarterback, no matter how much I like him, who hasn't played. That's just that's just not something you do because you want to. It's because you have to. And we'll see. We'll see. I have low expectations. Maybe they get a, 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 an initial boost. A lot of times you make a change and you get an initial boost, and then teams kind of get a game plan on you and things – level out but as i mentioned earlier they, they couldn't stick with this they were just you just can couldn't continually go down the road of of hoping he has a game without and the, the sacks are some on him more on the offensive line but 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 the mistakes are on him largely the mistakes are on him and this team very few teams but this team's not good enough to overcome turnover after turnover after turnover yeah, the offensive line has been horrendous in their own right, and they certainly have not helped out Matt Ryan. But the two interceptions were on him. I mean, they just they just were. It's not like, you know, I, I, I he was just making poor decisions with the football, especially the second one. I know the pick six. Uh, did we ever get an explanation on the pick six if Paris Campbell was, you know, supposed to turn around? Because he, he wasn't even looking for the football. That was not on Paris Campbell. He he said on a play like that when you get pressure that his job is to know the ball isn't coming to him, so gather as many defenders as he can and, and take him out of the play. And it, then it opens up things underneath for somebody else. So once the pre, the pressure was there, he knew the ball wasn't coming to him. And they get that free blitzer. And, you know, that's one where Frank Reich tried to take some of the blame by Remember the play before with the, the the non-face mask call on Naheem Hines, which was totally ridiculous. He yanked him down by his helmet. But Frank said, you know, he was late getting the call in because he was still arguing with the officials. And and Ryan said, yeah, I should have gotten out of the play, and I didn't know if I had enough time. Well, then then, then call timeout. You know, if, if you're that concerned with the play, call timeout. Or say, okay, you beat us on this play. And, and like he said, he should have dirted the ball. Just throw it in the ground. Uh, he said the one thing he couldn't do was to make a bad play worse, and that's what he did. So that wasn't on Paris. That was on the quarterback. And it's just it, – it's been, you know, a week after a week after a week. And it, it's crazy because they're 3-3-1 three, and one because he's engineered three fourth-quarter comebacks, overtime comebacks. But, but in a lot of instances, he's helped put him in those holes to come back from. So it was it – was, you could argue they could be 
0-7, or I could argue they could be 5-2. and two. But the turnovers are just too much, and that's been the one thing in Frank Reich's career here is ball security. Nine turnover, or nine interceptions, that's two more than Wentz had last year. And we know what happened with the Wentz experience here. So, uh, again, they had to do it, and you just can't keep making the mistakes he had, and we see the result of it. Speaking of the Wentz experience, it's pretty well documented that that was Jim Irsay's call to yank Wentz, bring someone else in, ended up being Matt Ryan. I get a real similar feeling here with Ellinger that this has Jim Irsay's fingerprints all over it. Um, just kind of trying to see what the next guy has, a real desperation. Um, because I, I, I don't get the sense that, you know, Frank Wright, for all the complaints about him, he's, he's a pretty level guy. And I don't think he would suddenly, within a, a week span, take the third-string quarterback and yank him up to all of a sudden become the starter. Uh, is that the same sense that you get, that this was Jim Irsay's call? I, I won't go that far. I'll say that, like you said, his fingerprints are on it. Uh, I, I, I get I think the one thing he's really, really tried to do is allow his people in place, his GM and his coach, to, to, to run the team, personnel-wise. And Jim Irsay, more than anyone, realizes what happens when an owner is too hands-on. He, he saw it firsthand with the way his father ran the team. I'm telling you right now, if Bob Ursay was running this team right now, there would be at least a new coach. He, he, he would have cleaned house earlier. Jim Irsay doesn't want to do that. At the same time, I do think he's one of them that really is intrigued by Ellinger. I think Chris Bathard is too. I really do. And again, I said at some level, Frank is too, but not to the extent that he wants to see it with maybe his job hanging in the balance. But they need to find out. We can get into it a little bit, but they've got to get off this quarterback carousel. They just have to. It's five in five years with with Frank. You know, Philip Rivers worked for a year. They hoped for more. Uh, Wentz didn't work. They had hoped that uh, Matt Ryan would work for a couple years at least. But next year, you're the draft guy. And from every indication, it's going to be a decent year for quarterbacks in the draft. And they have got to – there's got to be somebody in the draft that they like. There just has to be. And we were talking in the press room about, well, you know, it it could be pretty expensive to move up. Maybe you have to give up this, that, and the other. And the consensus is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it costs to move up because until you get the quarterback fixed, nothing else matters, and we've seen that. So they're going to have to use the draft next year regardless what they do with Matt Ryan. He's got another year in his contract, but whatever you do with Ryan, you've got to fix the quarterback long-term. And that's one, again, as I may have mentioned, that's one of the things getting a good look at Ellinger does. Is he part of the future? or Is is he a career backup? You don't know. So you've got to find out. This is not the way I would want to find out about Sam Ellinger because so much is on the line. But they've they've got to get this thing solved next offseason with a quarterback of the future, whomever that might be. Yeah, let's talk about how this plays out for the rest of the season. You know, they say they're going to stick with Ellinger even even when Matt Ryan's shoulder is healed. They said the injury 
um, did not play into the decision. Even if Matt Ryan was healthy, Ellinger would be the guy. To me, <coughs> excuse me, it, it's kind of, uh, for a team that in my eyes is going nowhere, I mean, going nowhere under Matt Ryan. This is not working. The offense is clearly not working. And as good as the defense has played, you need to score points to win games. Um, To me, this is kind of in what looks like might become a lost season, a win-win in that you get to see what the young guy has. And if he's good, terrific. You got a good young quarterback on a rookie contract that you can go into next year with, and maybe you don't have to mortgage the future to trade up for a guy. If he's bad, you get a higher draft pick and then you don't have to, you know, give up as much. You don't have as far to go to trade up and get a franchise level quarterback. So I came into work today just really, I guess, hopeless would be the word about the Colts season after watching that performance um, from Matt Ryan in the offense. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, saying that all of a sudden I have all this hope that they're going to do all these great things, but I have something to look forward to now on Sunday in how is Ellinger going to play? He is the unknown. I get he's a six-round pick who's never thrown a pass in the NFL in his life, but to me, that's more exciting than, oh boy, we get to go watch Matt Ryan walk out there and throw two more interceptions into the defender's chest. Um is that how you look at it, or do you think there's less upside with Ellinger? I think there's a chance that he could be a decent quarterback. I think it's unlikely, but the, the chance is there. There is. There is. And I, I just, again, if I'm if I'm Frank Reich, Chris Ballard, I won't get into that, but if I'm Frank Reich or I'm one of the veteran defensive guys or even the receivers, the unknown isn't, isn't my friend. I just – but I understand what you're saying. And, again, they've got to find out. In, in the fan base that we talked about, they're eager to see Sam. Well, let, let's check back with me in late November or early December when they're headed to 4-12-1 and one or 5-11-1 and one or whatever. And That'd be tell great. Me if you're, and that... tell me if you're still I, – I understand. <laughs> but but that's asking the fan base that, that's been uh, irritated over the last couple of years – uh, to wait and to trust that this year they're going to get it fixed. I, you're, you're exactly right. The worse they are, the better their options to, to, to fix the position because it, it will cost you less to move up. The, the, the worse you are, or the higher you are in the draft, meaning the lower your pick, the easier it is to, to not give up an arm and a leg, maybe just an arm. But it, it, it's those growing pains – could be severe if Sam Ellinger is not ready for for the role, and we don't know that. So I I understand the optimism. I I tend to know I I've been around where they've searched. I I was here for the trans transitioning from Peyton Manning, and that year was awful. It was absolutely awful. Now the end result was was outstanding with Andrew Luck, but. You know, we'll see. We'll see. It's again. I, I, my default is they couldn't stick with what they were doing. It, you, you just couldn't do it. At some point, you would lose the team. At some point, the defense is going to start saying, "Hey, how about some doggone help? We, we hold Tennessee to four field goals. 
and 200 and whatever it was, 20 yards, whatever it was, and we can't win. If you hold a team this, in today's NFL to four field goals, you ought to win by two touchdowns, not lose by nine points. So I hope you're just as enthusiastic in December when this doesn't work as you are now. But I totally understand what you're saying because I, I just don't see, after, after Sunday, I don't see how this team had and, – and Frank got up there after the game and said, you know, we're th- he said, not looking for silver lines, but we're 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. He said it three times. We're 3-3-1, three, three, and one, and things are still there. And, again, if you look at the wild card race, they're right there. They're, they're, they're only like a game out of a wild card spot. But you could – you can't compete in the NFL scoring 16 points. Can't do it. So uh, for those for for you and everyone else that loves the un- the unknown, enjoy the next two months. The unknown the unknown makes me nervous. I would just say the worst thing the Colts could be this year is mediocre. I mean, if they finish eight eight and one, that is the worst case scenario to me. I would rather the Colts not win another game for the rest of the year and then go into the draft and be able to get their new guy. Because like you just said a few minutes ago, until they get that guy, nothing matters. And I think Matt Ryan probably would have finished the season 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one, or 7-9-1 and one, or whatever it is. Because, again, as you stated, he led them on several comebacks to get those wins this year. He has enough in the tank to be good enough just to win you a few games, but not good enough to get you to where you want to go. Um, and he, he, he's just not the answer. And I think whoever made the call on this decision, maybe it was a group decision, but when you look at it as a franchise, uh, I, I think they decided being mediocre this year and eight, eight and one is the worst case scenario. We either need to, I mean, I don't want to call it tanking because there is actual hope and optimism around Ellinger. It's not like they're just throwing it's not like they signed me and just going to throw me out to the wolves and say, go ahead, tank, don't, don't win another game. Um, but I, I really do think this is the best thing for the Colts because either it's going to you know, result in a bunch of losses, which will result in a high draft pick, which the Colts need to get their new quarterback, um, or Sam Ellinger surprises the world or at least surprises everyone outside of Texas and Indiana and um, puts together a good season, and, and you might have something there. Every once in a while, there's, there's a, some talent that comes out of the late rounds at quarterback. Extremely rare, extremely against all odds. But either one of those two scenarios, in my view, is infinitely better than sticking with Matt Ryan and finishing the season around 500 and then still not uh, having any any real way to find that franchise quarterback. I was, you know, probably riding my tricycle and sucking on my thumb when the Peyton, Man- you know, the year before Peyton Manning happened back in 90, the 97 season. But I do remember the season leading into Andrew Luck, and it was it had it had to be close to as terrible. I think they won two games all all year when Dan Orlowski finally came in for Curtis Painter. Uh, and, and that was a rough, rough year. But boy, was it worth it when the Colts got luck and they were able to really, really become, you know, what looked like 
long-term contenders for a few seasons before Luck decided to hang it up. Um, yeah, w- one thing, you, you're right. This league does not reward mediocrity. It doesn't. You've got to be, if you're going to be bad, be bad, because it just doesn't award eight, eight and one or or nine and eight, whatever. One thing that that Frank Reich said that was really telling and 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 true is when he talked to Matt Ryan today. He told him that, you know, we failed you. At some level, we fa- you know it's on Ryan for he's the one making the decisions during the game but he said we failed you because we promised you you were coming to a team with a top tier offensive line and a top tier running attack so ryan didn't have to come in here and throw for five thousand yards and 30 touchdowns it was be more than be more than a game manager but this wasn't on you and as it turns out the offensive lines have just been atrocious and we mentioned the highest paid offensive line and they've had a different combination now for like four games. And that's on the Colts. It, 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 and it's also on the three hand, holdover guy incumbents, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, and Braden Smith not playing well, playing well enough, consistently enough. And, and then you you, you you didn't get left tackle fixed. Right guard was a mess. A mess. And because of all of that, the running game is like, they're like 29th in the league in rushing. So, it, it at least they admitted the fact that hey, we didn't help you out, but we we kind of saw they've turned a thirty-seven-year-old Matt Ryan, who might play well behind a well offensive line in a running game, into a thirty-seven-year-old guy who looks like he's forty-five. Yeah, yeah, they really did, and you know I could spend a whole other episode on the regression of the offensive line, not not just the holes that were addressed, but. Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, or Ryan Kelly not playing up to their level of expectation or their contracts or or any of that. Uh, Chris, how how Chris Strasser, the offensive line coach, still has a job is beyond me. Uh, that the, when I heard there was announcement coming up today, that that was one of the things that crossed my mind: is are they going to fire the offensive line coach because that's not been good enough either, and I I've not really seen much accountability towards that. I get it. Matt Matt Pryor playing not playing well is not a big surprise. He was a sixth round pick for a reason. Um, they acquired him for very little for a reason. Um, he, he, Danny, he had he had one career start at left tackle for a reason. It, it, exactly. Danny Pinter was a fifth round pick. Like it, those guys not playing well is not a surprise. What is a surprise is the just boatloads of money sunk into three men who are. Failing the Colts and failing Matt Ryan, failing this team, failing Frank Wright, who, boy, if he if he's still the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts after this year, I, I won't know how. I really won't. And I like Frank Wright. But it, it's, it's uh, like I said, we could spend a whole podcast on the offensive line alone. Um, today we're going to focus mostly on quarterback. We will do a slight game recap, um, talk about the Titans – Colts game that led to this move briefly in just a moment but first I want to finish this quarterback discussion by talking about Matt Ryan's contract because by all means it looks like his time as a starting quarterback in Indianapolis is over Um, the Colts traded for him he had two years left on his deal roughly I want to say 50 million dollars around that 50 55 56 55 56 
Um, I looked it up. According to SpotRack, Ryan has a $35 million cap hit next year. If he's released, the Colts save $17 million and have $18 million in uh, dead cap. If he's traded, they save $29 million and still have $6 million in dead cap. Good luck trying to trade the guy. Uh, Washington's already got Carson Wentz. They're not going to be able to trade with Washington again. So I don't know who's going to trade for Matt Ryan after, you know, he's looked how he's looked this year and going to be 38 next year. But uh, I just wanted to provide the details on Matt Ryan's contract because it certainly looks like his time in Indianapolis is up. And, it, uh, you know, if barring something unforeseen, it looks like the Colts are going to have to eat $18 million of his contract next year. Um, and, and and they will, they they will. I mean, it, that's a lot of a lot of money, but if, if that's where they go, and again, it, it is hard to see them bringing Ryan back for next year, really, regardless of, of how Sam Ellinger looks. So you know, maybe maybe they just put the total re, push the total reset button at quarterback next year and live with the consequences. Yeah, I, I think I think it's time for a reset button for. This entire franchise, really. I mean, we can talk in the offseason about what guys need to stay and be pillars for the future and what guys you can uh, let go or trade away for draft picks or what. But for right now, um, it, I, I, it looks like this team is this is the beginning of the reboot for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Mike, any last thoughts on the quarterback situation before we get to the game recap? Nope. You, I think we summed it up pretty well. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and keep this recap brief here. This is what kind of, you know was the last straw in uh, Matt Ryan um, being benched by the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts three two and one heading into Tennessee, who is three and two. And if they win this game, the Colts are on top of the AFC South. Both teams coming into this one on multi-game winning streaks. Colts without Shaq Leonard and Quiddy Pay, but Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines are back, so in theory, running game should be a little bit better. After a pair of punts to start the game, Tennessee drives deep into Colts' territory, and the Titans coming into the week were the top team in the NFL in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. But the Colts' defense was able to hold. Tennessee settles for a 27-yard field goal, and it's 3-0 Titans. After a pair of punts, the Colts are now driving and hoping to take the lead. First down at Tennessee's 26 Colts hand it to Hines, who gets yanked down by his face mask. No call. Everyone in the stadium saw the face mask penalty, except for the referees who kept the flags in their pocket. It's a two-yard loss. Frank Wright livid at the official. Second down now, empty backfield. Matt Ryan is blitzed, throws it quickly to Paris Campbell, who's not even looking for the ball. It's picked off and returned 70-some yards for a touchdown. And just like that, it's 10 to nothing. Titans... Mike, this is this disaster of a play would really be the difference in the game. And, and again, we've talked about that. That's been the problem. It's just not interceptions. It, it's shock plays to where, in this case, they scored right away. But again, giving up fifty six points on on his turnovers, uh, it, it just makes it so difficult that you can't minimize or you can't limit the damage. And as I said, ad nauseum, this team's not good enough to overcome these kind of mistakes. They are not because they tried to overcome it on the very next drive, working their way down the field once again. 
third and three at Tennessee's 38. Matt Ryan hangs in the pocket, appears to trip as he throws. The ball goes right to the Titans. Second interception in as many drives. The Titans would score a field goal off of that turnover. The next three drives end in punts. Uh, Colts' only offensive success came midway through the third quarter when they put together a 12-play, 58-yard drive that ended with a Paris Campbell touchdown. Campbell had a nice day, 10 catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the, the team's Titans and Colts mustered up a few more field goals, but really defense dominated in this one. On the Colts' final drive, down by nine points late in the fourth quarter, Michael Pittman Jr. fumbled the ball away, and that would do it. Final score, 19-10. to Tennessee's 10 points off of turnovers were the difference in the ball game. Time for takeaways now, and I'm sure you could have guessed the first one. The passing game we saw against the Jaguars was a fluke. Matt Ryan against Tennessee, 33 of 44 for 243 yards. That's just 5.5 yards per attempt. He had the one touchdown, the two interceptions, three sacks, passer rating of 76.2. Both interceptions, like, like I noted, came in Tennessee territory. 20-yard completion to Alec Pierce was the longest offensive play of the game. One week after we saw them make big play after big play against Jacksonville, that uh, looked impossible against the Titans on Sunday. One, um, thing about, one thing about that, Joe, is the Jacksonville game, it wasn't so much chunk plays. It, it, was, it was efficient, and it was underneath 10, 12, 15. If I'm not mistaken, the 40-yard touchdown to, to Pierce was the longest play. And what I need to see with Ellinger, I'm, I may do a story on it later in the week if unless everything is quarterback-driven. They have got to get the deep ball, the, at least the threat of the deep ball in their offense. I mean, they're, they're playing almost in a phone booth now. And, you know, Jacksonville gave them the underneath stuff because they didn't press so much because it was new to them. Tennessee came out and said, no, we're not gonna, we're not even going to give you that. And the pass protection doesn't give the quarterback, I don't care who it is, enough time to let routes open up deep downfield. So I, it, it, it's such a bad cycle they're in. And it was magnet. I think you mentioned he, he averaged, Ryan averaged 5.5 yards an attempt against Tennessee that's you can't play offense that way so I I don't know how they open things up can they get back to where they want to be a running team with Ellinger and I I don't know it's almost like they're they're they're, they are pushing the reset on the quarterback position but are they going to push the reset button on the offense or or what so but they've got to get the big play at least a threat of the big play back in the passing game that we just haven't seen Slight tangent here. I mean, I would love to see the Colts design their offense now that they have Ellinger to look like the Giants' offense, where the quarterback runs a lot. They don't do anything crazy. They take their shots every once in a while. They get their star running back a few looks out of the Wildcat per game because the quarterback's mobile enough. You can kind of move them off to the side, and the defense has to at least keep you know a peripheral vision eyeball on them. Um, you know, if the, if the Giants can do that and make it work with the talent they have on their team, the Colts should be able to as well because the Colts have far more talent. So I would like to see something with that with Ellinger. The only difference being that that's the, the Giants' offense. 
and they worked on that offense. And for the Colts, it's it's pretty much throwing away the game plan, the playbook, and starting over. And I don't know that that's something else Frank Wright wants to do. But again, you, it's it's players, not plays, and you have to tailor your offense around your players. And getting outside the pocket and moving some is Sam Ellinger's strength. One of Sam Ellinger's strengths. Yeah, something that was not a strength on Sunday. Matt Hawk played like Matt Hack. He shanked several punts. He had punts of 32, 29, 27, and 28 yards. He did have a 60-yarder, but went out of the end zone for a touchback. Zero punts down inside the 20. Mike, this might have been the worst punting performance I've ever seen. Yeah, on, on a pretty nice day. I mean, there, there wasn't like, well, you know, it was raining and windy. And, yeah, that and it was kind of awkward because – he was actually gone from the locker room because he he just showered and was gone. And he, he was requested to come back in. I can't tell you the last time that the media requested that a punter come in and, and talk. He, he, he's a stand-up guy. He said, you know, I felt good in warm-ups and it just, you know, things just didn't go well. But it, it's it, not that we needed some reminder that Sanchez was an elite punter. But in a, in a game like 19 to 10, field position is huge, and and he had two or three, maybe four opportunities, maybe five, to really pin him deep, and didn't come close to it. Yeah, uh, not that it ended up mattering too much in this one, but you you pin Tennessee down around their five yard line, never know what can happen, especially with defense playing like that. Uh, you know, let's let's look on the positive side a little bit. Jonathan Taylor looked good in his return. I mean, this is really the best he's looked since week one when he rushed for 160 yards uh, in Houston. But he only had 10 carries, 58 yards. He added another seven catches for just 27 yards. Most of them weren't necessarily, you know, designed to go to Taylor. It was just Matt Ryan dumping the ball off before he got his head taken off. Um, Deion Jackson, Naheem Hines com- had six runs for five yards combined. Um, Mike, your thoughts on Taylor and, you know, how he performed, but also why not feed him the ball a little more? It was a one score, you know, after they scored in the second half, it's a one possession game. It's not like they had to pass because they were down by a million points. Why not give Taylor more run? I don't disagree. And I think I tweeted out when it was 16 to 10, whatever the time was, maybe it was eight minutes to play in the third quarter. I don't remember. But I tweeted out that, you know, in, in games past, in years past, Frank Reich has even taken pride. You know, we, hey, we were behind, but we, we stuck with the running game. And we stuck with the running game, and, and then it got going. Th- this was a perfect opportunity for that, which is what ten- it's what Tennessee did. You know, they, they didn't do anything extravagant. They just leaned on. They got the lead and leaned on Henry. I don't know whether they, they've so much lost their identity on offense that they couldn't go back to the run. Maybe they, Maybe – they simply don't trust the offensive line to line up for 12 plays, a 12-play drive, and just pound somebody. But but it, I thought the same thing. Part of it is is they they with with Taylor coming back for the after missing two games, they 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 didn't call it a pitch count, but they had him on a rotation with Hines and Deion Jackson, and you know I'd like to have seen more more attempts, seven for 27. Like you said, those those were almost wasted plays they were so uh, I think there was a decision and Frank said too based on last week where they had 80 some plays 
they weren't willing to go into the game with the idea that, that Tate was going to be out there full-time and, and be on the field for 60 plays. They weren't willing to do that. In hindsight, I wish they would have gone back to the Colts of old and remembered who they need to be and are built to be, but that just wasn't the case. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd bet a lot of money that they go back to uh, a running mentality with Ellinger under quarterback. Um, final takeaway here, man, I feel bad for this defense because they played great once again. Didn't allow a touchdown, held Tennessee to 254 total yards, and really kept Derrick Henry in check. Yeah, he rushed for 128 yards, but it was on 30 carries. Um, a big chunk of that, I think over 30 yards of that, came on the final drive when they were just running out the clock. Uh, he also had three catches for 10 yards. So um, as opposed to the first game, he really didn't have those gashing plays in the passing yards where they in the passing game where they could swing it out to him and he gained a bunch of yards. Um, Mike, it really is a shame to see this kind of defensive effort wasted. The greatest stat coming out of last night is Grover Stewart had 12 tackles. A nose tackle. Had 12 tackles. It's the most by a defensive tackle this year in the league and the most by a Colts defensive tackle since at least 1994. So it's, you know, I think those of us around here have really appreciated Grover. Hopefully that carries over to the league. The problem is with Pro Bowl and All-Pro, I I think the, the, the voters don't differentiate between nose tackle and three techniques. So the, the, the Aaron Donalds and people like that are going to get the, the attention, but Grover's having a hell of a year. Yeah. Grover's having as good a year as anyone on this team. Really? Let's go ahead and move to the AFC South. The Colts still second in the division at three, three and one Titans, of course, on top at four and two Jaguars are third after a close loss to the giants, 23 to 17, uh, I mean, they were driving late in the fourth quarter and got down to the one-yard line. That's as close as you can get without winning. Um, Texans in last place in the AFC South after a 38-20 to loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. Mike, you know, to wrap things up here, what is the Colts' best-case scenario for the rest of the year? With their division record being what it's being or being what it is, um, winning the division seems like it's out of reach. Um, but do you think what number, what percentage chance would you give them for making a wild card spot? Wow, like 30%. I don't know. And they're right, like I mentioned earlier, they're, they're right there record wise, they're right there. But to, to be really optimistic, you got to say, and, and I base my optimism on this. Well, you've just changed your quarterback, and you've got a quarterback who's not played. So it's, it, and I understand. And Frank mentioned, as I said, Frank mentioned that last night that, you know, three, three, and one were, you know, our things are still there, which he has to say because that's what a coach does. But they've given you absolutely no reason to believe they can do it. And and going to the to the second year quarterback isn't a white flag. But neither is it a rallying cry that here we go, we're going to get on a run. So, yeah, it, it's it's not looking good. I, I don't see how they they win the division. They've never they've never made the playoffs with a losing record in the division. You know, since two thousand and two, the wild card maybe the AFC is is convoluted enough, but I also think there's enough really good teams 
that an eight, eight and one, something like that's not going to get in the wild card. I just there there are there's too many good teams that are going to get there, get things right and make a push, and I just don't see this team built to do that now. Yeah, I don't either. You say thirty percent. I was going to say ten. Um, maybe the realistic chance is somewhere in the middle, twenty or fifteen, something like that. It's not looking good, Colts fans. But you know what would look good? A shiny new quarterback in a Colts uniform next year, drafted high in the 2023 NFL Draft. That's where I'm setting my hope and my attention now for the rest of the year. But until then, we will take it step by step, week by week. Uh, Dave will join us on Thursday as we preview their game against uh, Washington. Am I correct, Mike? Yeah, and it won't be Matt Ryan against Carson Wentz. Boy, how things change quickly in the NFL. Washington coming off of a win against the Packers where Taylor Heineke goes into Lambeau and gets the W because uh, it's hard to score a lot of points if you don't have good wide receivers, but apparently no one ever told the Packers that. Yeah, um, and, and, we, and we can sort of ease the Colts, the fan base's angst because Tampa Bay's a dumpster fire now and so is Aaron Rodgers and the Packers so there you go you know it can be worse other places yeah I've definitely taken pleasure in watching Tom Brady come out of retirement and just completely fall on his face and it it could be worse we could be the Denver Broncos who traded multiple first round picks for Russell Wilson and um, have all this tied up in him his contract is you think 18 million dollars next year is bad take a look at Russell Wilson's contract um, and they have a worse record than the Colts. They couldn't even beat the uh, Jets last week after they lost their star running back. So um, it, it could always be worse, Colts fans. The Colts, throughout all this, still do not have a losing record. We will be talking on Thursday to see if they can get back to a winning record against Washington. Um, until then, follow us on Twitter, at Colts Blue Zone where we'll have all the news and notes and comments and updates throughout the week. You can follow Mike specifically at mchapel51. If you feel like it, you can follow me at Rota Street Joe. And uh, please subscribe and download for us. That really helps us out. Thank you so much for listening. And until Thursday, have a great week, Gold fans. 